0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and glad to be with you on a Monday, of victory Monday, 21-16, yesterday against the Arizona Cardinals. And that gave the Texans three wins versus two losses against the NFC. That's the first time that the Texans have been... Above 500 against the NFC since I believe 2008. I to check my math on that. But I've done that one day and I think it came up as 2008. So we are celebrating that win over the Arizona Cardinals, celebrating the plus 500 over the uh, NFC. Good stuff. And we're going to do it with all of our good pals, including our guy, Andre Ware. But we had a lot to talk about, including if you take the Ravens and Chiefs out of the mix. Who's the number three team in the AFC right now? Not by record, not by any of that. Who's the number three team in the AFC right now? We'll get that a little bit with Mark, me, and Andre Ware.
1: Offset eye. CJ drops back in the pocket, looking. Flushed out to the right. CJ guns it long downfield. And caught touchdown. Amazing catch. Tank Dell. What a throw by Stroud.
2: And Dell with the reception. Jumps into the stands. Go Cougs, That's my guy. Unbelievable. What a grab by Tankdale. I mean, he extended every bit of his body to make that catch.
3: Whoa.
1: Man, that route was amazing. Out, in, out, and the acceleration, the ability to slow down and speed up again at the very end to get the space needed to make that catch Excellent reception. That's as good as you'll see. And the place erupted. And we need more of that on Sunday. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And Andre Ware steps in now. Dre, that was fun to watch. What an explosion at the end of the first half. And they were able to cruise. Well, I wouldn't call it cruising. It was kind of a bumpy road. But they got down the road into the finish to get the win. How did you see it?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the first half, unbelievable first half. And then, you know, a couple of mistakes in the second half made it, a, a, I thought, a closer football game than it needed to be. But uh, a win's a win. You check it off. There, as we say in golf, there's no room for comments on a scorecard. So you keep it moving, <laughs> and uh, get get the next week.
0: <laughs> no room
2: for I've,
1: I've never heard that. I've
0: never heard that, but that is absolutely 100% right on. We just heard, Andre, the, the Tankdale touchdown, which, by the way, Tank was all the way into the stands. Yeah, like, all the he way in. Leaped up. All the he way. Had a seat. Here was the other thing that was funny about that. There was a guy sitting there at the far corner wearing a Jake Plummer Cardinals jersey, and he was celebrating with Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?
1: Because Can you do that?" Tank wins people over. He That's does. He does. Tank,
0: Tank does win people over. But Dre, what has Tank meant to this offense? I mean, what what are they allowed to do because they have Tank Dell at wide receiver?
2: I think it's what all the receivers do for the offense. Uh, Tank is certainly doing his part, but uh, I think every week there's like somebody different. Tank makes some spectacular catches. Yesterday, the acceleration. And people always ask me, what's different about Tank Dale? And the way I explain it is, he is is he's got a little bit left when everybody else is at top speed. And mm-hmm. so there's always separation when C.J. decides to go to him. And so when when you look at it from that standpoint and then you're moving the ball around as much as CJ is, it's hard to defend that group. So every Mm -hmm. week there's somebody else, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. It's been great to see.
1: It's been amazing to see. And, look, I was watching Tyreek Hill highlights yesterday, and he's different. But what you just described Tank Dell to do, it sounds – he'll like whenever he's got that extra gear at the end of it when everybody else is top speed that's a really great description whenever he
0: went in motion yesterday Mm. I watched the Cardinals secondary they were on high alert because other guys went in motion they just moved when tank went in motion you could see their antenna go up it was incredible. And, to watch. and what about that, Dre? Because tank, tank in motion, it's like,
1: Tank, run around the backfield, like behind everything for a while and uh, see what happens. It, it It is organized. I get it. But it just seems like it does create chaos mentally for the defense.
2: It does. But it's also the genius of Bobby Slowick because he was setting up a play with that orbit motion all game long. In the first half, he used it several times. And then finally, they swung at the tank and he ran it. Uh, so on and so forth, and then all of a sudden, later in the game, they swing at the tank, and he's looking to throw. Uh, fortunately for the Cardinals, no one was open, but uh, it, it's just kind of one of those things where everybody and everything seems to be clicking at the exact right time. Uh, defense just giving enough. The offense with Bobby Slowick, the the imagination, the the uh, yeah the however you want to call it, where every week there's something a little bit different about it that's challenging for a defensive coordinator. And then you start looking at the motion with Tank and what it's doing and how it messes with defenses. Uh, One player now all of a sudden, or or the defensive coordinator thinks one player is, is the key to unraveling this Texans offense, and it couldn't be further from the truth because of what I said. Somebody else each week, is making a splash, so it's hard to see where it's coming from.
0: Defensively, yesterday, Dre, there are a lot of different heroes. I mean, Willie Anderson was fantastic, Sting was great, but Blake Cashman, 19 tackles, 19 tackles. Now, I know a lot of people, oh, he's going to win AFC Defensive Player of the Week. No, Rasul Douglas had two interceptions yesterday and a couple of their breakdowns and TFLs. I think he's going to get it for the Bills. But Cashman playing Mike, that was a big deal, uh, Dre, him playing Mike Linebacker. Because he's got to communicate in a loud building. It's not something he's done all year. He's not been the Mike linebacker this year. But Cashman continues to make plays. I don't know that I even want to think about this defense without Blake Cashman. But how much has he meant to the defense this year?
2: Certain guys just pick up certain schemes and they fit. And it's and when it happens, I mean, boy, if it's a value uh, signing in the offseason or a value uh, draft pick, it, it makes it that much better. Uh Cashman's on the all-wear team right now. I mean, he has got himself a spot at the front of the bus, and he you know, may be driving that sucker at some point. He, he's playing that well. That's how much I think of him as, as just a player that every single week, and I'm in agreement with you, this defense is nowhere near as productive as it's been without Blake Cashman making plays. Not, in, not just defending the run, but he's covering uh, tight ends we uh, backs out of the backfield, diving to make plays in the passing game, uh, you know, contributing everywhere, uh, just about in every phase of, of this defense. So uh, the 19 tackles doesn't surprise me. It's a huge number in the grand scheme of things. It just means he had one heck of a game.
1: Trey, C.J. Stroud, this just in is human. He bleeds so I think a lot of fans felt like, oh, my gosh, multiple interceptions. There's a disturbance in the force. He's no, not he's flawless. Not, he,
2: he's, not, he's not human. He's not human. He just everybody started talking about him like he was from somewhere else. So he had to throw us off and, and go and throw three interceptions. <laughs> but he still won yesterday. So, you know, yep. it, it totally worked in his favor. Everybody now, he's, he's got you thinking that way.
1: That's true, Dre. That's true. All right, but what about that, and how does he learn from this?
2: No, it's here's the deal. Uh, a quarterback on a certain day, you feel like you've got it, and you can throw that sucker through a hole that only a BB would go through, and he was feeling that way yesterday. Uh, if, you've, if you've been there, you kind of know, and mm. it's like I can, I can throw it and fit it anywhere, and so the heat check came with the first interception and Nico in the back of the end zone. Well, that should have been the indicator that, okay, let me settle back in and get back to fundamentals because you are playing outside of the fundamentals because it's a place and a space that you don't go to often. And mm-hmm. so then he tries to fit the one in uh, the, the tipped one to that on Robert. I don't, I don't count those, those just kind of fade mm-hmm. away in my mind. And then he, mm-hmm. he got hot again during the game, so he tried it one more time. Whereas I told you guys that out and up had been sitting there and they were jumping routes and they were just primed for a double move. If he uses it there or just gives a little hint with his shoulders or some type of signal where he pumps the football to tank and he turns up the sideline, there's nobody behind uh, the kid that intercepted it. It's mm-hmm. There's nobody back there, and it's six as opposed to the interception. But he went ahead. And threw it, thinking again that he could squeeze it. And that's when immediately he knew he he wanted back.
0: All right, Dre. it's Jacksonville on Sunday. And, I mean, it's going to be hard not to talk about this 24-7, 365. But Jacksonville comes in pretty hot. I know that San Francisco took care of them uh, a couple weeks ago. But they got (laughs) – they jumped all over Tennessee last week in preparation Mm -hmm. for this one. Uh, And then, unfortunately, you and I get to see the guy that we think – uh, is one of the better quarterbacks in the league who Mark is still poo-pooing. Uh, mm. um, we'll see how that goes uh, on Sunday. And hopefully it's more of what Mark thinks than what we think. But your thoughts about Jacksonville and Trevor coming on Sunday with a lot on the line.
2: When did Mark come around on uh, on Peyton Manning? Because it may have taken Ooh. him a little while for him to. Good too. question. No, I, no, I, I, look, don't, I, I don't remember.
1: I arrived in the league, and Peyton Manning was already well-established, so I had firm respect for Peyton Manning. He was a nightmare. He w- He's huh. the all-time Texans villain still, in my opinion. He's number one on my list, yep. the Vander list of <laughs> Texans villains. Peyton Manning <laughs> occupies the top spot. He's 16-2 and two against the Texans as a cult.
2: <sighs> oh, we, yeah, I'm yeah. glad he's decided to... They've moved him to Denver at at that point in time. Then he went there and you know and who isn't?
1: You know who isn't sixteen and one against the Texans? Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I knew
2: it was coming not sixteen and one
1: and two. It. He's n- he doesn't have that record against the Texans. I knew Texans yeah, knew have it. beaten See, him I, with here, some bad teams.
2: Comeback. Here's the comeback on that. You you admitted you already we just admitted that Peyton was already in the league and established when you mm. got in. You were already mm. in when when Trevor Lawrence got in and he has to come, he has, he went to a bad team as, as Peyton did, but had years. And then mm. he came in, you were already in the league when Trevor got, got in the league. So he deserves yes. some cushion on that record.
1: Okay. All right. I'll buy it. But what do you think of this <laughs> this Sunday? Because yeah, you had the I blowout mean, win I, earlier.
2: This is as good a, this is as good a matchup. I think that you can get excited about in regards to the Texans as, as any on the schedule. And at this point in time, because of what the game means, it's an opportunity to sweep Jacksonville that first and foremost. And then secondly, a place at this point in the season. And I say that because there's more to play out, uh, to move into first place, uh, a tie for first place with the team and you would already have the head to head in terms of the tiebreaker if it, if you ended up with the same record somehow at the end of the season. So uh, it's huge and who's coming, where it's being played. So because we get them at home, you know, the place is going to be beside itself. And yesterday it started to feel like, you know, the years of old when it was really working and moving around here Uh, it's, it's inching ever so close to that, that place.
1: It's so good. It's so good to see what is happening at NRG Stadium, and it's going to be awesome on Sunday when the Jags invade. Uh, Dre, let's get to what happened with them yesterday, playing the Tennessee Titans, who had Will Levis. He threw a couple of touchdown passes, but it was really when the game was over. Uh, They're really struggling right now, and O-line not able to block for Derrick Henry. It looks like. They, it might just be it for the season for them, that they're just going to limp into the finish here and recalibrate as far as the quarterback position goes. I don't know what's going to happen with them, but they're in a tough spot right now.
2: Well, when they started playing roulette with the quarterbacks every week, then you kind of knew they were just kind of mailing the season in. I was really, I was quite surprised that they didn't move Derrick Henry before the trade deadline. So, Mm. you know, with that being said, they're going to always fight you because of who they have as their head coach. Rabel's just, it's just in him and his teams are going to play that way. But I just think they have kind of, and I think it started with AJ Brown, that move, they were still competitive because of Henry, but just bits and pieces of that team that were important that maybe they didn't see either left by free agency or they allowed them to leave or were traded or cut whatever it was but they're just not the same team. So you start that quarterback carousel that uh, you're on the clock then of, Hey, we're just going to get through this one and, and uh, get into the off season make some changes and, and start to rebuild. But Levis may be the future. I know Tannehill's not. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure the other kid, uh, w- uh, what's his name? Willis. A blank Will Willis. He is, he, I don't think he is either. So they may have the one that they're going to roll with, but it's, it's, a, it's a team kind of in a – I think they're headed for rebuilding mode.
0: Okay. I ask you guys this a lot. I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to make it, a, make it a different questions for both of you. Okay. Okay? Because I do feel like the top two teams in the AFC are pretty clear. I feel like it's Chiefs-Ravens. Okay? Yep. yep. After that. Yeah. <clears throat> after that. Who is the best team in the AFC? Is it the Miami Dolphins at 7-3? and three? Is it the Buffalo Bills at 6-5? and five? Is it the Browns at seven and three? Is it the Jaguars at seven and three? Mm. Who would you say is number three? Chiefs and Ravens, I'm taking away from you because I think it's pretty clear they're one, two, depending on how you want to put the order. But they're one, two right now. Who's the next best team in the AFC? And along those lines, how close do you think the Texans could be to being that next best team in the AFC? Who's first here? Who's going first, me or Dre? Dre, go first. Dre?
2: Dolphins for me. Uh, there they've got some explosiveness on offense obviously i mean there there are times i don't i just don't think they can be stopped and when the way two is playing uh he's playing out of his mind and operating that thing well and then defensively we know firsthand that they can get after you they've got a really really good defense so for me it's it's uh it's an easy one it's the dolphins and i'm not sure the texans are very far off that um they're starting to play there they're start. i mean there's there's that level and then there's one that a tier just a finger snap away from it and I think the Texans are right there
1: all right, so here's the thing. I am not ready to throw dirt on the Buffalo Bills just yet. I yeah, know they're I'm six saying. and that's five. That's why I brought them up. That's why I brought them up. They're in the eighth seed right now, but I think the Bills still have a lot going for them. And no one wants to play them, especially up there. But no one will want to play them in the postseason. And Josh Allen wrecking the game as a quarterback and running all over you, or whatever, whatever he can. do. But you do.
0: have that to contend with. Here's the uh, oh, Bills' the schedule sucks. Yeah, that's at right. Eagles at
1: it's, Chiefs, Cowboys at Chargers. It's a tough schedule. Oh, yeah, we'll see how they do because they got the Jets yesterday. That was a get well game in a post Ken Dorsey celebration game for them. And I'm really, I feel horrible for Kenny, Yeah, but uh, the bills made the most of it yesterday. I would say though, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I'll answer it Sunday afternoon. How about that? We'll see what the Jags (laughs) do against the Texans. If the Jacksonville Jaguars come in here and look good beating the Texans, they can certainly lay claim to that. They're in the mm-hmm. three seed right now anyway. But I'm with Dre. I think it's the Dolphins. If I have to pick one, yep. it's the Dolphins. But how about this, guys? If the Eagles win tonight, the Chiefs go seven and three and things start to get a little tighter. You know, we need the Ravens to come back down to earth. I, Dre, I don't think the Cleveland Browns can live like this. I know they have been, and it's a good story for them that they're doing this without Watson and Chubb and everybody else they're missing. Uh, and somehow, some way, DTR, you know, he has that final field goal drive in a game that otherwise he didn't play very well in. The Steelers cannot do anything on offense. Uh, so I don't think the Browns can really live like this for very long.
2: No, I don't think so either. Sooner or later, your quarterback's got to play. He's got to be a big, big part of it. Yesterday, he was, but part of that—that that I mean—is that the longer he's in the lineup, the longer defense or defensive coordinators are going to get film on him and figure out how to exactly stop him. And mm-hmm. uh, now you know who the guy is to go prepare for for that week. So it, it, that production is going to slow down. Can they win if that position isn't producing? And it's already. Uh, producing at a rate that's lower than what they needed. So uh, I, I don't think a defense. Defense is once you get there, uh, yeah, you can win a championship with, but you need to get there, and you get there by scoring points. And so that's uh, that's that's a way that, that I think they've been winning. I don't know that it, it sustains you the, the entire rest of the season because you're going to start having injuries, bumps, bruises here and there, things that you can't account for that are going to start factoring in for the Cleveland Browns on the just the defensive side of the ball.
0: We got TV on in studio, Dre, and an analyst on this particular show said, and I quote, Russell Wilson is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. I know they <clears> won <throat> last night. I know the Broncos have gotten hot. Do you agree with that? Do you think Russell Wilson has gotten back into that top 10 class in the NFL?
2: No, and that analyst who said it probably was burying him about a month or so ago (laughs) they'll say things just for effect you know so uh know, i don't i don't buy that i can probably get to 12 real quick uh just without really even thinking about it before i even think to get to russell wilson's name yeah it's been a nice comeback story Uh, I don't know that he ever went anywhere other than the fact that he just didn't fit the system that they had last year, and it's taken him a while to get adjusted to Sean Payton's system. How many times have you guys heard me say that when you change offensive coordinators in the offense, it's like playing as a rookie again for a certain amount of time because there is a huge adjustment to just being able to call a play in the huddle. The terminology is complicated if it's different, and all it needs to be is different. And so that's what Russell Wilson is experiencing in Denver or did experience when Sean Payton first got there. Now you're starting to see where he's comfortable in the offense and with everything about it.
1: Wow. All right, so, Dre, um, Tax Act Texas Bowl coming up. I'm trying to find the bowl projections here. What are we thinking here, guys?
0: Well, I, I was looking at it yesterday. And so if, if none of the Big 12 teams get – to the national to the uh, playoff, then the tax te- Act Texas Bowl has I think the fourth pick. So the 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 New Year's Day six games will get one, and then the next three. So they're fourth in that. So the Texas the tax te- Act Texas Bowl could have either Texas probably not Oklahoma probably not Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Mm. They'd have their pick now. Fletch picks the Big Twelve side. The SEC picks. For the game, so you can have one of those four at least on the Big Twelve side. That would make for a nice game. Those four stood out, yeah. and done pretty, pretty Kansas well. Kansas State brings people, yeah, right? very
1: much. They, they bring, bring a lot of travel. people. Yep, no doubt about it. So
2: you're you're uh, telling me, Johnny? Wait a minute. The SEC flexes its muscle all the way down to that. Oh yep. yeah, they picked I mean, their bowls. That's crazy. So the yeah. bowls picked one opponent in this case, Oklahoma State, and then the then the SEC, the conference. Picks who they want to go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's the deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: We need to go back to the old ways, guys. I mean, we really, really do. This is getting ridiculous.
1: I love the old it's, way. In that, I was telling old, uh, you had
2: to go romance the school to come to your bowl if they yeah. were eligible. Why do you even have bowl representatives? or these guys on the, they're walking around wearing these orange jackets or whatever it is (laughs) for the orange bowl. And they do zero, they do nothing because it's a system already in place that we know the third place team for the sec is going to this bowl. And this team from this conference is going to play them in this bowl. I don't get, I don't get it. We need to go back to where the schools have control of where they want to go. And the bowl system, uh, has to go roadmaster schools into choosing their bowl. And it just kinda once a match is made, then the next bowl and, and however you do it. But I don't like the current way of, of uh of how it smells right now.
0: Well, I don't mm. even know if they have enough bowls, bowl team teams that have gotten the bowl eligibility to fill all the bowls. Are they gonna do the five and
1: seven thing if you have they certain might. academic they, standards they, or whatever? They might. Really? That, okay. that might have to happen. It you know, depends. it's all a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this one is a really great one. This is a mm. great non-New Year's it's Day great. bowl here. Yeah, it's always it's a, been it's good.
2: A, it, it is. I mean, I've been a part of that, that the bowl game from, it seems like, since the game into uh, in, into existence. And, and it's always been a good matchup. It's always been a good crowd. It's always been a good bowl game. Just the overall college football experience. Uh, to go to so if uh, if you're a college football fan, uh, check out uh, check it out and I'll get all the information online. But it, it's one that you definitely want to see. I guarantee it'll be a good matchup. And if, if it happens to be Oklahoma State, I have them this weekend. Oklahoma State BYU in
3: Stillwater
2: and on Saturday on ABC, not Friday night. So a little adjustment because of the Thanksgiving holiday this week.
1: Who wins between Ohio State and Michigan at the Big House, Dre?
2: Ooh! If that was in Ohio State, if it was at Ohio State, I would say slam dunk Ohio State. I think it makes it a tougher, closer football game in the Big House. But I've always I've liked Ohio State over Michigan all season long. I think it's going to be a close game, like two point game. But I think Ohio State wins it.
1: I got to give my due to Steve Sarkeesian here with the Longhorns. They're ten and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh you know, they've had a I, I think it, this is a better than expected season. I don't know what the expectations were at the 40 Acres, but I did not expect 10 wins and I think that they've done a nice job. You got to give them his due. 5 game winning streak going into Sunday against two – I mean Saturday against Texas, uh, Texas Tech.
0: tech. Oh, this this is a big one. Texas Tech is playing Yeah, really, they they've gotten really hotter, well. no question about it. For sure. Yeah.
2: Ray? Yeah, I uh I like what he's done. That's a tough game. Tech Tech just presents a lot of different problem schematically on offense for Texas on that on that side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. So they're going to be able to score points. Can they slow Texas down? Uh, without the running back who's out for the year, He, uh, I think they've got a chance defensively to do that. And uh, can they go into Austin pull an upset? I think so. I just doubt it. And uh, Texas is going to be right there in the conversation. This is going to be one of those years where you're going to hear – All this talk about how this should have been a year (laughs) for expansion. Look at this team and that team. They're going to be centered right in the middle of all that talk.
0: Yep, absolutely. Hey, Dre Heisman race. One guy, unfortunately, I would imagine given what happened on Saturday is going to be out of it. And that's unfortunate. And it's Jordan Travis from out of Florida State. He actually tweeted a little while ago um, his thanks to the Seminole. Uh, fans. And he said, all of the injury I sustained on November 18th marks the end of my seminal playing career. Um, And then he goes on from there. A guy that's been just a great representative of Florida state. I would imagine that he's out of it, but I know you don't want to give up your vote and I don't want you to, but who do you think is kind of in the conversation to go pick up the trophy that you won a few years ago?
2: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's basically boiled down to a, a three man race. And I hate the way that it happened for Travis Hunter with the injury because of the trajectory he was on at Colorado. I know their season hasn't gone the way it's it, uh, everyone may have thought it would, but I think it's different if he's healthy for those three games as well. And in the conversation at the end of the season. And then you look at a guy named the, the big tight end from, uh, from Georgia who very well might be the best player in in the country, yeah. <clears throat> but he gets injured. And so it just happens that way. Um, if there are games left, Jordan Travis is no different. He was playing at a very, very high level. And certainly on a list of those that were headed, at least at the very least, headed to New York to get to experience all of what comes with uh, being there during the Heisman uh, year. But three names have emerged for me, Penix, Daniels, and Nix. And so you know, those those three have had outstanding seasons. With mm-hmm. What Jaden Daniels has done at LSU is, is unbelievable. We haven't seen it in in a long, long time, if at all. Bo Nix <clears throat> and how productive he's been uh, at at Oregon and getting them back to the national stage and in a in a a uh, playoff conversation. It's been phenomenal. Only thrown I think two two interceptions the entire season, which is just sick. And then there's Penix, who <laughs> just physically is just gifted, and you just want to. It's poetry in motion watching him throw a football and play the position of quarterback. So those are three names that, uh, that have kind of emerged for me.
0: Great stuff there from our buddy Andre Ware. And, of course, 1989 Heisman Trophy winner, so you got to get his thoughts. He's not going to give you the ballot, which he shouldn't. He should keep that vote secret, but it's good to talk about the candidates. That And how about this? Andre reminded us, when we go to play the Jets on Sunday – Guess what happens the day before? Heisman, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend for Dre, no doubt about that. So, uh, we got that to look forward to. But we got the Jaguars at hand next week, then the Broncos before we get to the Jets. So, we'll get there soon enough, but that's going to be a fun time in New York. I know for Dre, the 89 Heisman Trophy winner. Coming up next, Indy Clue, Texans legends, OG podcast, all-around tremendous dude. You can join Mark and me next right here on Texans All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All-Access as we take you up to Chiefs-Eagles' massive Monday night game, the Battle of the Kelseys, uh, the Battle of Andy Reid franchises. I mean, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be a fantastic football game at Arrowhead tonight. That'll kick off right after we are done here on Texans All-Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. It's time to catch up with our guy, N.D. Cluehead definite thoughts and he's always got unique thoughts about the game so we'd love talking with ND here is ND with me and Mark
1: ND this is big what are your thoughts on Sunday I want to get to the future first we go back to the future Jacksonville Sunday at noon your thoughts talk about a meaningful game i mean you, you,
4: the implications as far as uh the AFC South uh getting into the playoffs i mean it's going to be huge and we always wonder who are the Texans rivals? Who are the Texans rivals? Some people say the Titans. Some people say the Colts. And you also have to throw in the Jacksonville Jaguars in there. So you have a rivalry game. And like D'Amico said, they've earned the right to play meaningful football late November. I'm so pumped up for this game. And I like the fact that Jacksonville's been playing well also. So, you know, you have two teams that have been playing well and huge, huge implications as far as the division with this
1: game coming up.
0: I mean, it's good. I mean it's obviously the biggest What's the biggest regular season game at home since what Mark I mean not I mean it's 19 I was
1: I was trying to think about the Patriots Sunday like, night the Patriots Sunday night was a big game for this team so I, like I would the, the, I would go there that year probably, they clinched the division at Tampa Bay right. the year before uh, when did you clinch in 2018? Was it home against the Jags or something like that? But yeah, home it just, against the Jags. But that was not a good Jaguar team. No. This is, no. let's put it this way. This good, Easily, this is the biggest game you've ever played against the Jaguars, yeah. period, for both teams. And it's not a clincher because you still have a bunch of games to right. go. But it's uh, who's got pole position heading
0: down the stretch here. Uh, Indy, at that point, as a player... When you play these kind of regular season games, I mean, everybody gets up for the playoffs and you know it's, oh, it's the playoffs, it's do or die, you know. But this kind of game, as Mark said, it's a little different. I mean, the season's not over. you still got a lot to play after this. But as a player, how fun are these games to go into knowing where there's a little bit more on the line when you're going good on good and the top of the AFC South is really at stake at the end of November? You
4: know what? It makes the week fun. Because here's the thing about most professional players, if you're 0 and 16 and you have one more game left uh, to finish off the season, once that kickoff happens, you're going to get up for it because it's football. It's, you, you know, you're getting paid to do it. But like you're talking about with this game and everything that. Uh, you, you know, the what you can benefit from winning, it makes the week, it makes your preparation on Wednesday that much more intense and more enjoyable. Yeah. It makes what you do on Thursday, you know, you're fighting through a late in the season. You don't want to go through those tough practices and Wednesdays and Thursdays are typically your really tough practices, but you're enjoying it. You, you understand, man, I'm getting ready to play the best team in the division During a year where everybody said this was going to be a rebuild year, and now we have a chance to actually get atop of the division and get into the playoffs. So what it does, it it makes you a little bit more excited during the week of practice and getting through those hard days.
1: Andy, yesterday they beat the Cardinals. This was a different Cardinal team that we saw a month ago. You got Kyler Murray, you got James Conner, and they were having some success, but you built the halftime lead. You didn't score in the second half. You rode it to the finish with the defense. What do you think of the performance yesterday? It was a first half, second half kind of thing, but the defense held strong. You look up at the end of the day, you held them to 16 points and got out of there with the W.
4: You know what? I don't want to make like some kind of hyperbolic statement just for reaction or some hot take, but you can argue that that win yesterday was bigger than the Cincinnati win. And what I mean by that is, Yes, you beat a 2-8 and team, but Kyler Murray looks like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray looks pretty good, and when your star quarterback, when everybody's saying MVP, MVP, has three interceptions and you still win, that lets you know it's not just about one guy. It's the entire team that stepped up. Devin Singletary getting another 100-plus yard game. You can argue because of the way they responded to C.J. Stroud having three interceptions that that game really proved that this team isn't just about one person.
0: Along those lines, Andy, you mentioned him, Devin Singletary, in the run game, goes for 150 at Cincy, 122 yesterday, I think was the number he had, I mean, 22 carries, 112, sorry. Your thoughts on the run game, what have you been seeing from the run game? Um, Obviously, Devin adds a little bit to it, but what are you seeing from the up front, the big uglies, and what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks?
4: You know, you see that daylight, and Singletary's doing a good job finding that daylight, and he doesn't hesitate. I mean, he just hits it. As soon as that hole opens up, whether it's a six-inch gap or a six-foot gap, he's just going to hit it hard, and you see the explosiveness. You see why he had the success that he had in Buffalo. But you're seeing a lot of consistency and man-on-man. Man. There, there's been a couple of times where, and, John, you watched the game so close, and so do you, Mark. I'm sure y'all noticed it. The holes weren't huge, but the offensive linemen were on defensive linemen. So I don't care how big yep. the hole is. It is hard to make a tackle when you still have that 315-pound guy on you. So you just saw man on man, and you see that they're opening these gaps, and Devin's just hitting them so quickly.
1: And D, C.J. Stroud with the three interceptions. He's 22 years old. There's going to be an ebb and flow to every campaign, no matter how old or how experienced he is. And here he is throwing the picks yesterday, and look, it – didn't look good at those moments but he did some other great things for this team yesterday and obviously he's been a huge reason if not you know one of it's one and one a and one b whatever the reasons are however you want to rank them why this team has been so successful how does he shake that off and what's important psychologically for him moving forward to say all right i threw some picks but we won the game he talked about steph curry keep shooting he's got to have that mentality what do you think of all of that
4: You know what, I keep going back to something D'Amico said about him in the preseason that really uh, impressed me. He said that he's a guy that stays in the film room. You know, you have your gym rats. You have your guys that stay outside really focusing on the physical. And I'm sure CJ does that. But the fact that he's always watching film. And then Dalton Schultz, I had a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago during our podcast. He said that he's a guy that doesn't make the same mistake twice. So when you ask that question, Mark, I think of those two statements, And I see that C.J. Stroud probably going to go watch film. He's going to watch those three interceptions probably 10 times each, a minimum. And and you're just not going to see that same mistake twice. And I say those three interceptions, there were three on paper, but one of them he doesn't really need to look at because he came off the hands of the receiver. And I felt like it was actually a pretty good pass. So, you know, two mistakes. I think he's going to look at it. He's going to understand what he was thinking at the time. He's going to make sure when he sees that defense, when he sees that situation in the future, because he will see it, he doesn't make those same mistakes. And I love the fact that they won after he's uh, through three interceptions and that he's the type of player that's going to take it serious. And he's going to go in there and say, okay, what did I do wrong here? And let's make sure this never happens again.
0: Indeed. Derek Stingley gets the interception. He has the knockaway on the dig route. He then comes up uh, big with Tav on the, uh, the fourth down stop. Obviously, we know the history, the injury history, and then being back the last couple of games. How important was a game like that for Stingley and also for the Texans for him to start to break out a little bit at this time of year?
4: No, no, that's huge. And just like what you said towards the end of your question, this time of year, because when you talk about playoff teams, when you talk about teams that have success late in the season and go deep into the playoffs, there's a lot of luck involved and luck as far as having your good players on the field playing at their peak. And for Stingley to be out there making plays, it helps his confidence. It reminds him that, like, hey, there's a reason why draft is drafted so high. Let me continue to prove why I was taken before Sauce Gardner. So he gets that confidence, that swag, and the rest of the team gets that. The rest of the defense realizes, oh, yeah, this is one of our star players. So the big thing is just keeping him on the field. And I love that he's making those plays so he understands and realizes that he's still that guy.
1: All right, ND, back to it. The Jags on Sunday. What's really important for D'Amico Ryans to stress to the team this week? I got to think that, you know, people were talking about yesterday being some sort of look-ahead game or whatever. I don't know. I think they were fully focused for that one, and it's clear the way they came out in the first half. I know they allowed the opening touchdown, but that's going to happen in this league. What about for the Jaguars here? Because it's not like you're you're in the playoffs if you win. It's not like you clinch anything, but it is certainly a step up, a a huge step in the right direction for the postseason
4: just not to overthink it and to get too tight you know you don't i'll I'll keep it clean since uh you know this is a family show you don't want your backside to get too tight because of everything that may happen with the victory or the loss and who you're playing. So during the week, he has to keep it light with the team. I think he's going to do that. You and I and uh, the fans, when we're talking about it and when we're we're looking up the standings and we see that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a game ahead of the Texans, you know, we're going to put a little bit more on this game, but it's going to be very important just to make sure that the team understands that, hey, even if you lose, you can still go achieve your goals. Obviously, you don't want to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there's still a scenario where if you lose this game, you can still win the division, you can still get into the playoffs. So if it was me throughout the week, I would obviously you know narrow in on the de- detail, which they do every single week, but I'd also try to keep it a little bit lighter because they're gonna put that extra pressure on themselves.
0: Andy, when you play a team, and you've experienced this a lot in the league, where you play your division opponent the second time, and it's been a few weeks since we played the Jags, and you know you could argue the Texans' uh, butt-kicking in Jacksonville kind of got the Jaguars going, but what's most key when you play a team a second time, especially when you've beaten them the first time? How difficult is that second game? Well, you don't beat a team twice in a year. How tough is that second game when you play a division opponent?
4: No, it is tough because, like you said, they beat them so bad. And take out all the X's and O's and take out, you know, all the tendencies. There's a lot of pride on NFL teams. And Jacksonville's like, oh, oh, y'all are the guys that kicked our tail not too long ago. They get excited because they get a chance to, uh, you know, vince that loss. And then you just have to realize, hey, that was a whole different team. And most NFL teams, in my opinion, they know that, hey, if six weeks ago I beat a team by 30, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen again. So, what I would do, and what I, you know, Coach Reed used to do when I was in uh, Philadelphia, and we had those good years together. If we beat a division team and we're playing them again in a few weeks, you're only showing their highlights. You know, you're the coaches are reminding you why they're a good team. I mean, obviously, this is the number one team in the AFC South right now, so you shouldn't need those reminders. But you also need to see that, hey, even though we had success against them a few weeks ago that this is what could happen if we don't go out there and you know, give them the same respect that we gave them the first time we played them. So you really focus on what they've been doing good and, and remind this team like, hey, this, this Jacksonville team is not the same team that we beat a few weeks ago. They're playing some good ball and you really highlight those plays that have them winning. Well, I forgot what their win streak was, but they're number one in the division right now. So they're obviously playing some good ball. So you look at those highlights.
1: Hey, ND, it's time to give the alma mater a plug here because the Owls have Florida Atlantic on yes. Saturday. And if they get this one, they're <laughs> six and six, bowl eligible. FAU comes in at four and seven. A huge matchup in the American Athletic Conference. How do you see it?
4: You know what? I love the fact that they need this game. You talk about, like we said, with the Texans playing meaningful ball at the end mm-hmm. of the season. Well, the Rice Owls, they've had some downs. You know, that UConn loss still bothers me, but because they, have won the games that they've needed to. They're playing really meaningful ball, uh, ball late in the season. They just have to have this. Uh, it's when I saw it, and my buddies and I were like, "Oh, we're going to a bowl. Which bowl is going to be?" It's like, ah, we still got to win against FAU. The tech, mm-hmm. excuse me, the Owls are kind of like the Texans, where you know what? They could beat almost any team on their schedule, but they can also lose to almost any team on their schedule. So you really have to take this game serious. I had a few interns. Uh, that I still keep in touch with throughout the week. And after I congratulated them on their last win, they know that this game is huge. So I really think they're going to be focused in and locked in, and the Owls will go bowling again this season.
1: Well, as far as guests we're having this morning who are potentially bowl eligible, you're the only one because McLean's Baylor Bears are out of it and Andre's UH Cougs, seven losses. So congratulations uh, just for being in it, and good luck on Saturday, Andy. I mean, we're used
4: to that. Rice is always the college football <laughs> program that keep, keeps Houston uh, up. And, you know, no matter where you go in the country, when they think college football in Houston, they always think Rice first. So we're, we're, we're used to being in that position. But but thanks. Yeah. We appreciate that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nice. Of course. Thanks, Andy. And we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> as uh, on the Huddle Players Show. It's going to be good. You have DHC, DeAndre oh, nice. Houston Carson, who's nice. been starting and making a lot of noise. So it's going to be fun. Thanks, Andy. All right. See you all tomorrow.
0: There he is, Indy Kalu. Always having a fun time talking about the game, what's happening on the field, off the field, in the locker room, former player. Understands it better than anybody you're going to find. Just a gem of a human being. I love Indy being part of the team. All right, the general, John McClain, is also part of the team. He's up next right here on Texans All Access. All right, let's get it done in this final segment of Texans All Access. John Harris here, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And we'll catch up. With our good friend John McClain, the general, the Hall of Famer, talking about the
3: Texans. Here we go.
1: What do you think of the streak and the matchup on Sunday against the Jags? Well,
3: as I wrote my lead on my column in, uh, on Sports Radio 610 today, I can't believe that the te- I said the Texans are playing for first place in the AFC South. And I couldn't believe I wrote that sentence, so I wrote it a second time. because i still can't believe it and what a week what a game it's going to be you know the texans have owned the jaguars jaguars coming off one of their best games after they came off one of their worst games texans beat them they they own the tiebreaker boy that would make a great stretch drive for both teams in the division and uh and you know the Jaguars are tired of losing to the Texans. You know they're tired of hearing about it. They were humiliated by 20 points in the D'Amico's first victory. But uh, it is so exciting right now what they got going on. And I'm guessing Sunday will be the most people in the stands and the loudest the stadium has been because fans know the team needs their help.
0: Okay, I hate to break this to everybody in Houston, but the Texans are going to lose on Sunday. Why? I I mean, it's just going to happen. Because the general just said that? No, no, no. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had... No, no. Trevor Lawrence has catered Waffle House for the entire Jaguars building today. Oh, no. That's that's as good an omen. For no, them they're going to be all carbohydrate be. <laughs> filled, and then turkey. It's just way too much for I them. Just, I just love it. You could pick the, anywhere. He picked Waffle House. It's, that's that's pretty awesome. I know. I love the Waffle House thing, too, but enough. Yeah. Enough. Stop, Trevor. Stop. Be the Trevor that Mark thinks you are. Um, General, speaking of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. CJ has two touchdowns, a glorious one to Tank Dell. He does have the three interceptions. Do you have any worry? What's your level of worry about that heading into this one with Jacksonville? That CJ's thrown four in the last couple of games?
3: six turnovers in the last two games after three in the first eight and you know one bad one against Cincinnati at the end of the game the the one I thought with the one ricocheted off Robert Woods over the middle he can't help that the one on the sideline was a bad pass and the one in the end zone he shouldn't have thrown but it's like he said Steph Curry don't Stop shooting, and he's not going to not stop throwing, and that's good. Sometimes when you have success and you you start to throw passes that you wouldn't have thrown before because you kind of feel like Superman, which he has been. But uh, I think that Bobby Sloan and Gerard Johnson will work closely with him this week about that and show him what he did wrong and what he's done right. You know, they did everything they could to give that game away. And, and the red zone was awful, one out of four. They were great on third down, 69%. But the fact that the defense came up so big, I can't remember with the Oilers or the Texans stopping a team on fourth down three times in the fourth quarter. Maybe it happens more than I think. But it was amazing, you know. Cashman with 19 tackles, 13 unassisted, a sack, two hit, two knockdowns on the quarterback. I asked Cashman last week about being hurt his whole career with the Jets and being healthy here. He said as soon as he got here, they had him doing things on his soft tissue muscles that he hadn't done before, and he's really poured time into it. Obviously, he's working. It's working And Will Anderson, a sack, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. And on the last play by Arizona, Anderson just drilled Kyler Murray, and that caused him to throw the ball up higher and gave Stephen Nelson a chance to get over and knock it away from Hollywood and uh, Hollywood Brown in one of the great plays the Texans have had this season. So the defense – Really, really stepped up, and I'll guarantee you Matt Burke and D'Amico Ryans are so happy to see Derek Stingley make that great interception. Exceptions, six tackles. He knocked away two passes, and he looked like a guy who was picked third overall in the
0: draft. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Really appreciate the general for stopping by. Of course, Indy Clue, Legends, Texas legend, and Texans OG podcast definitely check that out Player show tomorrow with ND and DHC DeAndre Houston Carson that's gonna be fun and a big thanks of course to our good friend Andre Ware who joins us every Monday he is absolutely fantastic love Dre to death love all you guys for listening thank you so much we'll see you tomorrow and as always go Texans